0: You're listening to KZOM, Oleander Public Radio. Hey everyone, it's me, D.B. Spitzer, and over here, my good friend and yours, probably the coolest guy in Oleander, but that's not saying much, Farmer Dave. Dave, how's it going?
1: I am well.
0: Good to hear. So what's uh what's new with you in this uh, neck of the woods?
1: Well, we're just like we said, we're getting through, and we are doing a, you know, kidding season's over, and so yeah. we're feeding babies. So uh-huh. there may be a tired sound in my voice, uh-huh. but uh, it, it's going well. Um, yeah, I guess the the big things are going on with uh the mayor and the changes that we're making. Oh, to yeah. uh, the podcast.
0: Yeah, yeah, no. I mean, my job in in town in general has changed. I've gone from like being the guy who goes and uh, gets cigarettes and uh, liquor for the mayor to being the person who makes sure that the graveyard is clean. Uh, I pick up all the litter, and I'm just I'm I'm just a caretaker of the graveyard now. Which you know what? Actually, I like a little bit better. <laughs> and um, I you, have...
1: you polished the Nitocris statue.
0: I uh, kind of stay away from that thing. It hums a little right. bit, so yeah, yeah. Um, but you know what? The the uh, mayor says that we need to power wash it at least once a week and make sure it shines.
1: So make make sure there's nothing in the the statue's armpits.
0: Exactly. Uh, keep all the moss off of Nitocris. So. Um, Also, a big change is, if people don't know, we are switching back to People's Guide to the Cthulhu Mythos. Radio station, we no longer have access to broadcasting uh, capabilities, but we will have access to recording capabilities. So that's one more AM radio station that's going away and one more UHF station that I didn't even know still had a place to go. I, I think someone's just like blasting out reruns of old uh Sherwood Schwartz shows and uh black and white movies that are in the public domain uh, out out to nowhere. Oh, is that why we don't get wait a minute. Okay. I think I may have solved something. If we have a big huge UHF antenna that's blasting out at all kinds of whatever, is that what's messing up the why 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 we don't have cell reception in Oleander?
1: Um Maybe. Maybe. You're I don't know. You're talking to a person who the milking machine is like the apex of technologies, but maybe.
0: I don't know. I, I, I don't know enough about science. I'm just good at drawing and looking handsome. So um, It could
1: also explain why every once in a while I'm trying to talk to someone on the cell phone uh-huh. and the professor and Marianne come on.
0: Does make sense. Does make They're sense. talking to them. Yeah, I mean, that is one thing I do like about the pneumatic tube system in town is you don't get interference. Anyway, so, yeah. uh, People's Guide to the Cthulhu Mythos coming back and we will be talking to all the cool people uh, that we've talked to in the past and some more. Uh, Probably we'll get uh, the guest that's in this episode back on the show to talk about the Cthulhu Mythos. And,
1: yeah. So... And, And that is... Oh, Insert a plug right now. Yeah. Scott R. Johnson, the famed uh, author of the novel Stonefish. Editor's
0: note, Dave meant Scott R. Jones. Back to the show. All right. So Yeah,
1: that's what I meant.
0: <laughs> uh, so, yeah. Uh, also, this week we're going to be talking to Scott R. Jones. We're going to be talking about aliens... And yeah, um, I don't think we're gonna be doing D D on D but oh man, we could definitely talk about the hero's journey while talking about aliens. I mean, okay. th- that 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 oh wow, I was just like thinking about it. I mean, uh, that that movie does have quite a bit of the uh, story structure of the mono myth. Of, I mean, <laughs> um, if 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 we look at the monomyth which I think we we've talked about quite a bit, but uh, and we look at aliens, uh, you have you have you have a very James Camerony uh, full epic story, but um, let's, uh, let's 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 uh, let's pull open this uh, metal hatch here. And uh, go down to the inner workings and in the air duct system that is aliens, Dave. What do we let have? us? What do we? What do we want to talk about with aliens this time?
1: Well, I think I think you you got a good point there, because there's going to be quite a bit with Ripley and the monomyth. I think mm-hmm. it's a very classic example.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, let me punch up onto my phone, my uh, monomyth. Uh, before we get too far, uh, here's uh, here's Dave talking with uh, Scott R. Jones. Enjoy.
1: Okay, well, it says it's recording on this end, so. Okay, sounds good. So sounds I think awesome. I, we're, we're, we're going to believe it. Okay. <laughs> and if I call back, we to get into the record. All it's right. It's all my fault. <laughs> no problem. Okay, I'll go ahead and start. Sure. Welcome. You are again listening to 1130 on the AM dial. And this is Radio Free Oleander, K-Z-O-M-B. And just remember that Louis Luau is having a pineapple sale, 25% off of anything as long as it has pineapple. You want a vanilla malt? Put a pineapple on it and get 25% off at Louis Luau's. In the podcast. Hey, this is Farmer Dave, and we have a really special guest today, and that is Scott Jones. And I'm Scott, I'm going to let you kind of introduce yourself here.
2: Yeah, sure. I'm uh, Scott R. Jones. I'm a writer of uh, weird fiction and cosmic horror. Uh, my debut collection, Shout, Kill, Revel, Repeat, came out last year, as did my debut novel, Stonefish. From two excellent presses, uh, Trepidatio. It's an imprinted journal. Stone and also uh, Word Horde. Word Horde put out my novel Stonefish, and well, I was recently nominated for a Locus Award. Didn't win, but I was nominated, so that's always nice. Well,
1: congratulations!
2: Yeah, yeah, it's been it's been a pretty good my pandemic year has actually been pretty good. I've been working on my on my next novel, and uh, just uh, yeah, just generally uh, making more art. So. That's exactly. what I do.
1: So if someone was interested in one of those novels, uh, how would they? where would they go about to get it?
2: Oh, well, you know, it's available pretty much everywhere. It's on Amazon. You can just look up Stonefish and Jones, and it'll come up. Or you could uh, order direct from WordHoard. I always encourage that. And, you know, something I've been really getting into recently is, like, just order it from your library. It counts as a sale, in case you're wondering, in case you're, oh, I want to support my author's, fully support supporting your authors absolutely but you can do that through the library and then everybody in your community gets access and i just love that so much yeah so you can you can you can go to your you can go to your librarian and say i'm looking for this book can you order it in doesn't matter what it is they will likely do it
1: (laughs) that's their job (laughs) excellent yeah librarians they're like the masters of the universe they know what they're doing truly if not, then they get the, then they get a higher up librarian, and then they. So. <laughs>
2: yeah,
1: that's right. So this is Alien franchise month here on Radio Free Oleander. So we're going to talk about Alien and Alien related xenomorph things. So, question for you: We're just throwing out there is absolutely no wrong answer. What is Alien franchise? Is it horror or science fiction?
2: It's horror. horror. I think just I think it's just straight up horror. I think what happens with uh, with the alien franchises is that we get we get caught up in the toys of it, you know, the the flamethrowers and the ships and the fact that it's in space, but it's not in space. It's it, to my mind what we see in the alien films, with maybe the exception of, you know, maybe the exception of Aliens which is just, you know, uh, gung-ho militarism. Um, You know, we're seeing a return to our lives when we were threatened by alpha predators at every stage of the game, right? At every moment, you were like, well, I could die any moment because there's lions and tigers and bears. Oh, my. And now we're kind of done with those because we've dominated the planet. So what do we have? Well, we got to go to space. I just think, you know, making the... Making the assumption that it's sci-fi just because it's in space, it's like meh. it's a working ship for one thing, most of the ships that we are introduced to, most of the crews you know these are working people, these are working I, people. I, I like to call them <laughs> affectionately space truckers, yeah, it's space trucking absolutely <laughs> the, the, the blue co-
1: they're blue collar
2: they're blue collar you
1: know and, and, uh, and their comp and their company cares about as much as them. As real companies do their workers.
2: I'm not sure they have a union. Yeah. As a as a union as a union employee myself, I, I feel for them. That's rough. <laughs> They're getting the raw end of the deal. <laughs> yeah, I would say it's more with a
1: sci-fi setting.
2: Oh yeah, I mean yeah, but again, I don't think any you know sci-fi. Well, I mean, I think in the original film, again sci-fi setting, but working class. Did they really start getting into the more science fiction elements of it t- towards the in into and in, say the you know Alien 3 and so on? I don't I don't feel like they really start dipping into the sci-fi until they get to until they get to Prometheus. You know.
1: And you you come here we're going to talk about a little bit about Prometheus. So we we're going to be honest, a, a lot of fans aren't really into <laughs> Prometheus. <laughs> But you you
2: like the movie, correct? I do. I do. It's, uh, you know, and I've got a number of reasons for it. I, as you mentioned before we started talking, before we just started doing the interview, uh, it, you know, it's a beautiful film, for one thing. Uh, just, you know, gorgeously shot. The cinematography is top notch. It's Ridley Scott at the top of his game, I think, and his director of photography is, just kills it. You know, so so many just really striking visuals that I think will probably follow me until I, you know.
1: The the, I, the I, 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 looks like they spent a trillion dollars making that spaceship. <laughs>
2: uh, I completely but, bought that. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's uh, it's clearly a uh, it's in 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 these days of Musk and Bezos heading off to space, it has some it has some more resonance, I think. You know, uh, the. Uh, the Wayland character there hiding out on the ship, a ghost haunting his own ship. You know, that seems a, that that, seems very on point for billionaire space space people.
1: <laughs> but now, now we may be, we may be spoiling things for what is now what a 10 year old movie or so.
2: I don't. Yeah. We've all, so
1: just yeah. warning it warning. Yeah. We may be getting to spoilers here. That's
2: right. But oh, yeah, my apologies for that. No, 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 that's okay. Uh, I don't, I don't think I ruined it too much.
1: <laughs> no, no. And, and I, I think, and I'll tell you, I I like the way they reveal that too. Mm. When you know it goes on to the, you know, uh, uh, she goes into the med bay and it's supposed to be for a woman, and all of a sudden you know realize it's set up for a man. I go why, and then it dawned on me that the guy's on the ship. Yeah,
2: he's on the ship. He's so so one. I think
1: they they revealed that cleverly too.
2: Yeah, it was well done. Um, the what thing what that else gets... did you like about that movie? Well, I the title for one thing, which I think is an absolute red herring. I think maybe to talk about why I think the title's wrong and why, uh, the, I, what I found, I was going over an essay I wrote about it eight years ago, <laughs> and I, I find it interesting that what we've got is, when we look at complaints about Prometheus, is that what, what I saw the most of the time was these people are idiots, straight across the board. It doesn't seem to matter. They're all acting like goofballs. There was, a, there was a tweet that came out at the time I was writing the essay, and I, I, I noted it down, and I just read it again. It's wonderful. It says, imagine if Buzz Aldrin got out of the lander on the moon and ran away giggling and farting. That's Prometheus. <laughs> <laughs> right? Because we've got this idea in our heads that, you know, space explorers are, you know, they're, you know, uh, they're tough as nails, they can handle anything. They're usually fairly rational to go to space, you have to have a good basis in science. And, and you, you're usually a scientist of some form, if you're in space. Uh, not so much, I guess, later on with the, with the later with the, uh, because of course, Prometheus is a, is a prequel. You know then we have the more working class guys but these guys on the ship in Prometheus the you know they're scientists and archaeologists and biologists and metallurgists and there's a guy who does rocks what's what's his name really interesting actor the 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 fellow who plays the Scottish punk mineralogist guy he's interesting yeah. <laughs> you know, he, so you have you all know these guys I, I guess I could get that but you know honestly that didn't bother me that much no but I think it speaks to what people were getting wrong about the film is that it's not Prometheus. That's the red herring. Prometheus, you know, to name the ship that, to name the to name the movie that is you're throwing people off because the actual God form that these people are interacting with, <laughs> you know, as 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 they explore the, the planet and look for you know look for evidence of their engineers, right, is Pan. They are, they are, they are not in space. They are not on another planet. They are in, I mean, literally they are, but where they are is the first ages of man. You know, they've been taken back to that prime. And you can see this in the opening shots, you know, as they're coming in on the planet and you get the scale of it, the size, you know, they're like, oh, there's a, there's a mountain over to our right that uh, completely dwarfs Olympus Mons on Mars, You know, we're getting away from human scales and we're going, you know, to primal, planetary, cosmic scales. And what is down there? Deep time. Yeah. And what is down there on the planet? Wildness. Chaos. On, like, uh, multiple levels. There's storms. The weather's bad. The uh, finding your way around the, the little temple slash alien ship complex is... You know, it's confusing and weird, and there's all this chaotic language plastering the walls, and you know, codes, and of course, David the android like sitting there and just oh, figuring it out. It's it's scary stuff. So basically, you know, these humans are like, yes, we're rational, you know, uh, futuristic, science scientific humans, but when we're here, we go back, and. Because, you know, the chaos of Pan is the chaos, you know, it's where we get the word panic. Everybody on this, in this movie is panicked. No one's, no one's acting rationally. The only one who is, is, uh, is David the android. He has one killing thing. people. He has yes, and he's doing it with absolutely no com. Well, you know, he's got no compunction. I think the 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 one line that the whole film sort of turns on, uh, the one central point, is David when he, when he's in the uh, billiards room, with uh oh, what was the actor's name? <sighs> I forget, but he's in Little there with. Male wa- lead. Yeah, the male lead. (laughs) Uh, You know, he says, here's mud in your eye. After he's basically put a little drop of, uh, you know, alien protoplasm in the guy's drink. Right. So what he's saying, it's, it's, it's a wonderful. I mean, it's a it's a toast. Here's mud in your eye. But literally, they have this black mud outside. He's literally put a drop of black mud. This, you know, this alien protoplasm you know, this life stuff. And he's going to get mud in his eye. He's literally going, you know, the next morning he's going to see a little wispy tentacle of eye meat flail out at him from the mirror. Now, a rational man goes to see the doctor when he sees that, but he's not. He's panicked. You know, he's in the grip of Pan and he makes the decisions he makes and, yeah, terrible things happen. (laughs) And and, and I
1: think it also symbol, too, you you know, if from you know Ridley Scott is sort of presenting this as sort of a theological but you know mm. what what did what did you know in the bible what did god create man out of but mud yeah
2: so. clay 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 we are but clay so yeah that's uh I love the viscousness I mean you saw it in the original alien too but they kind of really they ramped it up for for Prometheus I think it's a quite you know basically I think it's a quality film if you if you if you get over the fact that everyone's acting like like they're panicked but that's you know that's what humans do i was reminded too you know it's uh several years ago here in canada there was an incident out on the prairies where uh middle of the night on a greyhound bus somebody took a buoy knife to uh another passenger's neck i mean the assailant was you know uh, uh has since been uh you know, not guilty by reason of insanity and drug use and what have you. He was, you know, had PCP in his system. It was nuts. But he basically decapitated this fella at 3 a.m. on some, you know, lonely prairie road. And, uh, you know, everybody who was on the bus when they started to grok what was happening immediately got off the bus. And later I was, uh, later I was talking about it with a coworker and she was like, oh, if I had been there, I would have done something about it. She had martial arts training, which I think is probably significant. But you know, this idea that we're all, you know, we're going to be heroic in 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 the face of in the face of abject horror, and it's like, well, no, we're going to panic. That's that's how it works. Everybody off the bus. You don't want to have to deal with that. Unfortunately, the folks in Prometheus have to deal with it. (laughs) So,
1: so I have here's my problem with the movie. Mm, Okay, and it's completely personal. I loved the Dark Horse comics, and the thing I loved the most as a little kid not being able to see the alien movie but seeing all the posters and the pictures you know I I was twelve when it came out right was the elephant alien oh. I loved the what Dark Horse did with the space jockeys and that yeah, they yeah. that their psychic powers can reach across the galaxy and they're not they're not the good guys in the story. They're no. not here to save the human beings. <laughs> and I loved this the elephant form. And now it's just a big guy in a suit. Yeah. So, you know, yeah. I and and, and that's just, that's just completely personal. And you know, you know, I always have my head canon, but one of my favorite things that we kind of forget about the original alien is, you know, there's three there's three races, the humans, the xenomorphs, and the then what we used to call the space jockeys hmm. So so I kind of that's the part I but that's just personal. That's just personal. <laughs> so another one that kind of gets maligned uh, and, and I'll, I'm going to be quickly honest, just with things coming up, I've never seen all the way through is Covenant.
2: Yeah, it's not as powerful a film as Prometheus to my mind. I think it's, it, starts, it starts to fall down about. Oh, you know, it's it's interesting. When does it get interesting? <laughs> yeah. I don't know that. It, I I think some of the casting choices were poor. Some of the casting choices took me right out of it. The best parts I think are when Fastbender's, you know doing his uh, doing his dual uh, android uh, uh, shtick there. Yeah, it's quite uh, it's 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 quite effective. It's a gothic movie. I think we have a really sort of gothic sensibility to it. You know, the ancient decaying house, you know, which, you know, one lone character is rattling around and there's been a terrible crime. But I guess how far did you get into it? That's my question. Am I going? Well, well, so
1: so and I I can't. And so what I'm going to say is is that I've never, it wasn't that I got bored and turned off. It was, you know, Oh, things happened. I had a power outage. Oh, okay. And I don't want to start it back. Okay. Was this where I was, <laughs> you know? So it was never, I got sick and tired. It, it was, Oh, you know, okay. I'm watching this again. Oh, work called. I got to turn it off. And so, mm-hmm. so yeah. it, it wasn't ever that it, I got bored or I wasn't interested. It just things conspired that, it was just more interesting to watch parts of it than from the whole. By the time it got through through with it,
2: yeah, you're just gonna have to sit down and commit, man. <laughs> that, that's
1: it. It's oddly enough, strange thing is, it's same thing with Alien Resurrection. It was always something. We, every time I back when we had VHS tapes, or I think it was still VHS tapes, it may have been a CD. I was playing, running it every time I'd pop it in something would happen you know i get a <laughs> call oh, somebody said come over here you know so it's just it's just one of those things that he yeah, doesn't want to make take a time where just, nothing to happens to watch it all the way through
2: <laughs> yeah <laughs> no i think you know what is it entertaining absolutely you know i think everybody does uh, does a good job is it a great film no is it alien no is it even prometheus never no nope. <laughs> i don't know i th- I, th- I think like he just he ran with his ideas in pre- Prometheus. I think he went too far with them. You know, I think he may have overextended his. Uh, he may have ex- uh, overextended his reach. I guess it just seemed very. Uh, it's a clumsy film. I'll just say it. It's a clumsy film.
1: And, and, and I have to say, we all, everybody who's going to go into that movie's got some expectation. Even if you haven't seen an Alien or Aliens movie, you know what they are. And setting it before the first one with people coming in with an expectation, that's got to be a really hard sort of trick to pull off.
2: Yeah, but, you know, I, as as a creator myself, I, I, I kind of get it. You're just going to do what you do. I think, you know, if, 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 if Ridley Scott wanted to make that, he's going to go ahead and make it. You know, yeah. uh, we just kind of have to.
1: Now, let's it's, say Sir it, it, Ridley, let's say ooh. Sir Ridley walks in and says, "Hey, you know, Scott, uh, you know what? Uh, I'm turning the the whole thing over to you. Where do you want <laughs> us to go? We're going to go there.
2: What would your answer be?" Well, I think Wow, that's a good one. Um I think what's interesting about the xenomorphs in general about that whole you know, the whole technology that's because they are a technology. We learned this, uh, we learned this in, in Prometheus. You know, these were bioengineered, you know, bioengineered uh, alpha alpha entities. You know, the most, uh, you know, e- e- these things are built to survive. And then, of course, we learn, you know, this is, I, I assume, in can, this is a, a, a canon. We learned that you know by through their life cycle, depending on who they who they uh, who they uh, what's the word infect they don't really infect whoever they lay their egg in, (laughs) (laughs) right? The 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 the, the xenomorph is going to uh, absorb some genetic traits. Like when
1: it's the dog in Alien Three, it runs on all
2: four. Yeah, exactly. And when and uh, then we see, I think in some of the. Regrettable Predator and Alien movies. Well, you know, again, fun popcorn film for a Saturday afternoon. I get it. Um, you know, and then we, then we see that you know the the Predator Alien, and you know I th- I think we've seen in the comics a couple of times. You know, different. Uh, well, then of course we have the shitty uh, shitty uh, human alien hybrid, the pasty one. Which film was that from? Uh, I think it was Alien. Was it Alien Three? Um, hmm. I, I know. I would say that
1: they the the like rip, that in the, the Dark so- Horse comics.
2: Yeah, and the, 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 there was a film where where they where the alien, where the where the Xenomorph hybrid. It was it was after it was in the I forget which movie it is. It's the one where Sigourney Weaver basically mates in the pool with with the queen.
1: Is it Resurrection?
2: Possibly. Yeah. Whatever the one, whatever the one, whatever the one time i to
1: watch resurrection, something happens.
2: <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, there's a really, uh, there's a really uh, nasty and, uh, unpleasantly soft, uh, human, uh, pr- human xenomorph hybrid that she has to deal with at the end. Very gross. But that's my point is that if these things can, uh, absorb and, you know, uh, shift their uh, you know shift their body form based on who their uh, who their uh, who their host is. Well, then we've got some interesting places to go in terms of like transhumanism. Uh, you know, basically genetic engineering with these things. I would love to see, I would love to see future alien films in which there are uh, characters who are in fact xenomorphs, but they are rational. Or seemingly rational. You know, I'll let the writers figure that out. <laughs> but that's where I'd want to go. I'd wanna I want to start seeing well how would these how would we deal with the xenomorph threat and prob- considering how Wayland Utani is so thick in the in the in the gross black science surrounding these things, how soon would we start seeing, you know, an- androids or humanoid humanoid, uh, uh, entities that are also, that are also the alien. That's where I'd want to go.
1: I think that'd be a great show. Yeah. And one of the, one of my favorite things is the most recent release out of 20th century Fox. And I think that it was just undercredited or under hyped or whatever is the 40th anniversary
2: shorts, 40th anniversary shorts. Uh, and, and I I've talked to, I this. talked
1: to DB a little bit about this. Are, are you familiar with that?
2: I am not. Tell
1: me. So, so I'm going to urge everybody, this is the second time, go to YouTube and type in, so what, 20th Century Fox and, and a gaming company basically came together and said, hey, make a short alien film and give us a script. And they provided like, aliens and special effects. So right. there's six 10 to 12-minute shorts that
2: I think are amazing, and you can see all of them on YouTube. Here they are. And, they are they are labeled Alien 40th Anniversary Short Films. Thanks, man. <laughs> and, and, and I
1: think they're just amazing for for what they are, acting oh. wise, <laughs> directing. Sorry. And, and and I think that might be this is give give Aliens back to the fans for a little bit. A Let little bit. Take
2: Absolutely. So, yeah. I would I would happily uh, I would happily contribute uh, something to an anthology of some enterprising uh publisher was deciding to put something out <laughs> i'd be happy yeah. to contribute i got all kinds of ideas
1: <laughs> yeah and, and you can see and you can you can see all of those uh on um um on, on youtube and they're definitely they're definitely worth you know some are better than other, but I, I i really enjoyed them
2: this first one has twelve thousand likes that's got to count for something so oh, yeah. yeah and and, and, and
1: as far as i know since they were endorsed by 20th Century Fox, these are canon. Nice. These are canon. And so I'm going to just give a quick shout out, though. I think of all of these, the best one is the last one they released, which is Alien Alone. And I won't spoil it, but I absolutely, the, the, the actress in this, I, it's worth worth watching. I think it's the best one
2: i'm gonna i'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna watch it as soon as we're done here, man. It's great. Excellent. Good stuff. Well,
1: I hope to have you on again. I'm afraid we're running out of time. But again, if people were interested in uh, reading uh, your books, where would they find them?
2: Yeah, you can find Stonefish on Amazon. Uh, also uh, shout Kill Revel Repeat. And if you want to order directly from the publishers, you can go to uh, Journalstone. Uh, Journal Stone Publishers, uh, just Google them, and also Word Horde. Excellent. And just a reminder for our residents of
1: Oleander, there is a 25% sale on our favorite paint company, Painted Black, off of black paint. So that's all that they sell. You're going to get, no matter what you leave with, you're going to get 25% off.
2: Thank you very much, Scott, and we hope to have you on again. David, thanks for having me, man. It was a good time. I enjoyed talking about it.
0: Yeah, you know there's there's a lot of stuff we can talk about with uh aliens um there's 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 Bill Paxton and Bill
1: Pullman uh <laughs> the, the the two bills that you you want to get yeah yeah uh not a car bill and an insurance bill
0: the i mean i i i feel like not only is the mono myth, like heavily represented, but also like archetypes. And oh, I, I don't feel like I'm smart enough to talk about this stuff, but it's like I recognize stuff when I'm reading things, and I'm like, oh, that's like an
1: alien uh, or aliens. <laughs> well, well, so you you have this classic, and, and I'm going to let you edit this out. Do you uh, want us to do to go and do this after Scott's interview, or
0: oh, we'll we'll figure that out. Yeah, we'll do this after Scott's interview.
1: Oh okay, okay. Then then I'll let go in. So you got the classic call to adventure,
0: mm-hmm. yeah,
1: and that's that's the signal. Yep, that the signal is the coming signal coming off of the, the alien ship. Mm-hmm. So that is the invitation, and you get the classic refusal of the call. You know they have to go, or they're gonna you know there's grumbling. Yeah, <clears throat> but even then you know, um, when Ripley doesn't want them to bring back Kane. You know, she's saying, you know, you got to follow quarantine procedure. She is refusing the call. Yeah. And in this case, you know, events that are beyond her because Ash is beyond human, it's beyond human, Mm -hmm. accepts the call for her. Yeah. Yeah. And, And that's sort of the supernatural aid. You know, he is not human. He is a android in disguise. Spoilers if you haven't seen a forty-three-year-old movie, <laughs> but he is—he is—he is beyond human. He is literally supernatural. He's beyond the natural. He's—he's, he's cre- you know, not magic like we think of, but he's created beyond flesh and blood. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the aid is bad, so it's inverted this time. Mm-hmm. It's the aid he is giving is. It, 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 it's not helping it's helping the story along but it's not helping the crew survive all right and and i would say too when we have that you know when kane and and lambert and you know dallas enter into the spaceship mm-hmm. that they, they're crossing the front uh, i mean the they're crossing the threshold but also another threshold is across when um when ash lets them in
0: yeah yeah, yeah, no, no, definitely. I I I I I think that is definitely kind of a um oh, like so but ah, where do we have like helpers and mentors in this movie? And I I was I was thinking it's like um Alien is a good movie to kind of like talk about some other stuff, but I was thinking Aliens is an awesome example of the monomyth where we have like um ripley waking up and you know that's that's like uh that's the status quo ripley wakes up there's no aliens she's safe she's alive her daughter died you know it's we know where she's at we know what's going on so,
1: um, so she's completed her monomyth. Yeah. She's come back, and, and you know, I want to, one more I wanted to point out. Sure. You know, Atonement with the Father. Uh huh. That's the company. And, oh. and even, what's the name? What's the name of the computer? It's Mother. Yeah. So, so she's completed her monomyth. Okay. She has gone to the other side. And she has come back to the real world with her knowledge. Mm -hmm. Now it's the Marines monomyth in Aliens. Yeah. So So she is the mentor. She is the one who's come and come back. Mm -hmm. Now it's the Marines journey in Aliens. So we're
0: going to say – I guess like if if we're going to give a face and a name to the Marines, say Corporal Hicks. And his group. I mean, I don't think they really had, like, a a cool name like the, you know, Vader's Fist for the 501st if Star Wars is what we're talking about. But I don't know. Um, I, I don't know if they had a cool name. It's like I know uh, so much about aliens. It's like I don't, I, I I don't think, think they had the, a cool the, name.
1: The Marines that signed to the Sirocco or... are. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs>
0: exactly. Exactly. And, uh, no, it is definitely their story. And Ripley is... Uh, i want to say like the mentor and bishop is definitely the helper is yeah. is is what i want to say and then bert is your uh is is your what do you call it your your he's shapeshifter. the woman as a temptress yeah a woman is a temptress uh shapeshifter the uh the uh dual faced uh whatever like i'm 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 forgetting my jungian archetypes here but... <laughs> yeah no and the story does break down of pretty well into like call to adventure uh refusal of call being like oh man i hope this is another bug hind like oh you know everyone's like just bagging on it and like doesn't want to do it and then they get dropped onto the planet then that's that's like that's that's the crossing of the threshold.
1: And, and the super the supernatural aid yes. is Ripley's knowledge. Yes, yes, yes. And, this... and she also is – she is the father figure. Very She's true. She's the one that they didn't believe, and when they accept her, they become one with Ripley. Yeah. And they realize this is true and that they need to follow what she says. She becomes one with, with – they become one with the father figure. who yeah. is a female in this time, in case. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, very true. Or is it? I mean, to some extent, is it also like Newt's story? Because it's like, oh man, I mean, who does the fighting at the end? It's 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 not the Marines. It's 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 Ripley.
1: <laughs> so, so, yes, I mean, obviously your mileage may vary. Yeah, but yeah. It, it it is sort of her second story because she has a refusal to call at the beginning.
0: Definitely, too. definitely.
1: And, and she sort of has an atonement the universe yeah you know she she she, her her father figure is kind of the universe that the cards that she was dealt that she has to deal with you know that that no one believes her she can't get a job unless she helps and that you know she in essence I don't want to say failed as a mother but I think that's how she feels at Mm -hmm, that time mm -hmm.
0: yeah all right so we have the we have the 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 uh I don't know definitely kind of like when everything goes to hell and uh like into the abyss I don't know I want to say that that's that's like when they actually go into the hive into like the uh, the uh the power generator room or whatever you, the the thing that uh, the reactor the reactor thank you <laughs> I mean that is that is like the lowest point that 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 they can go where they're actually like seeing colonists being used for harvesting for for incubating aliens i mean there's like really no deeper worse point like seeing one or two people die watching people get torn apart but but like people begging to be killed i mean that's that's like kind of like they have new knowledge But I don't think they have any, like, knowledge that helps them further the plot at this point. And I'm, like, trying to think, at what point in time do they get an integral piece of knowledge that's, like, this is how we defeat this and this is how we stay alive. But it's, like...
1: I think that might be when they make the decision to nuke it from orbit.
0: True. Okay. Okay. Okay yeah (laughs) it's like this is also a horror story i mean as much of it is an action movie it is also a horror story of like there's there's nothing but loss at the end i mean at the end of this like no one wins i mean with with like the 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 meagerest of prizes your own life but you know it's I don't know. <laughs> Let's continue with the bottom myth on this. Uh, I keep, I keep corrupting. Oh, well, well,
1: and I say, you know, the 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 rescue from without is, you know, and and the magic flight. You know, she gets up to the roof mm-hmm. and she thinks Bishop abandoned her. Yeah, and he has to come back around. So that's the magic flight, and you know, the rescue from without.
0: Oh yeah, yeah. Any time we talk about the magic flight, I, I always think of various Back to the Future movies and be like, and that. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's like, it, they might have, you know, back when they were thinking of, like, oh, let's have a refrigerator, did then they're like, oh, we can't have a refrigerator, it's like, oh, let's make it a flying DeLorean, or I don't know, but it's like, at what point in time does, like, the monomyth, like, someone reading or listening to Joseph Campbell become part of Back to the Future, if that is such a thing, because it's just when you look at the story of back to the future and then put the monomyth on top of it it's like of course he has a flying car of course he has a little flying board that he discovered at some point in time that is kind of like perseus's shield of course he you know it's it's like marty mcfly just like uh ripley is a I, a figure in our modern mythology our, our our modern cinematic mythology that we all share it's like if someone says like oh yeah she's a total ripley you know what they you mean know, yeah like if someone says oh yeah that guy's a total biff or marty mcfly you know those mcfly yeah you McFly. know those people from that mythology or from those movies and it's 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 kind of like a short her uh shorthand uh i don't know uh <sighs> Uh, Hyper reality that we all use to represent stuff, and I don't know what else to. <laughs> I'm 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 losing the plot here. Help me out, Dave. Well,
1: well, well let me throw in something
0: else. Sure, go for it. I,
1: and I don't. She's not the first, but she's one of the first. I think Ripley is a final girl. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I I think that I think that the Halloween and May I, I I'm not sure, but I think maybe. Friday the 13th was like a year or so before. Yeah. So I don't think she's the first final girl. Sure. But she's definitely one of the first final girls.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And and um, I, I know you made that point last time and I'm going to make a point that I made last time that Alien is an Aliens uh, and even Alien 3 to some extent are very very much part of the pulp tradition. It's you know Instead of, like, a bunch of G.I.s, you know, smashing Nazis or, like, you know, a bunch of soldiers, uh, you know, like like pulp stories of, like, Civil War soldiers or World War One soldiers or, you know, just soldiering in general, you know, that kind of stuff. It, 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 it feels kind of like it has a very kind of like, I don't know, uh, if... Nick Fury and his howling commandos had an, you know, an off-world adventure that ended poorly. <laughs> it's, everyone has their own little kind of distinct thing. It's like, this person's like this, and this person's like that. And we've got this person, and we've got this person. And we even have a lady who's tough. Who's like the, the, the toughest. The
1: classic World War II movie platoon yeah yeah you exactly got the smart guy, the mm-hmm. good guy, the leader, the medic,
0: the big dumb goofy guy yeah. <laughs> yeah you you have like your person who's like you know that they're connected with it, but they're like way off site, and you know maybe they'll help out in the last minute, they're kind of like your uh uh, Deus ex machina, kind of like your your pilot character who's introduced early on that then goes and saves everyone's ass at the last minute, you know. Um, <laughs> the <this> snarker, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, it's that's that's something else about Aliens that I think is just amazing. It it, it carries on that like tradition of the war story in cinema that is told and retold and can be retold in so many different ways. I mean, I don't think war needs to be glorified, but there are stories that are entertaining. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And and, and, and this too. What you, you the, the the thing that as human beings that we all want to try to remember is mm-hmm. as terrible as the Japanese army was and you know, the Nazis of course. Mhm it was human beings in ways that makes it worse yeah you know that these were human beings that chose to do this yeah but here you can make you can they you don't have to villainize the bad guys Yeah, they are non-human killing machines
0: very true very true um let me let me, let me... And, and
1: so in ways it's kind of humans versus nature
0: definitely yeah 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 i mean granted it's 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 not humans nature but it's uh, the, the but, but, but nature nature them, the aliens
1: but, yeah. you know the shark and jaws they're all part of, of nature
0: definitely definitely and uh, you, you just brought up something that I, I, I like to bring up once in a while when people like take uh, mythos entities and then put them in a scenario and but it's like historically based and it's like trying to like blame something terrible that had happened in human history on like Nar Lethotep or Cthulhu or Hastur or anything that always grosses me out. <laughs> yeah. Like people trying to blame like you know the holocaust happened because uh psychic things that Nar Letho, no it was humans it was humans being awful to humans yeah. and people are going to be like oh you're beating a dead horse again. It's like no it's gross and it's terrible. It... Knock it off. Just space monsters can be terrible but yeah.
1: yeah. I don't know. So, but at the same part, you know, <laughs> I think that the Xenomars belong right up there with the mythos. Oh, yeah. You know, it definitely. Was, it was Stephen King who said, you know, this is a, we're not in, in alien. We are going to the Eldritch gods. Yeah. We are going to the old ones instead of them coming to us. And the, in the end, you know, it's, you know, the last surviving female in her underwear destroys the monster with a spear gun. You know, how how horror you know movie that that that's a horror movie right there.
0: Yeah yeah that's that that is a horror movie right there. And one thing I have to say is I have to say, uh, as as much as we owe to August Derleth for like holding on to H.P. Lovecraft stuff, if Stephen King wasn't you know a vocal supporter of H.P. Lovecraft and Lovecraftian things, I, you know I I think that goes a really long way because when you're I don't know, 11, 12, 13, and you're reading Stephen King short stories and stuff, and the phrase Lovecraftian comes up, you're like, what does that mean? And you haven't read Lovecraft yet, maybe. Or, you know, I mean, liking Stephen King and having Stephen King through his books or through interviews or whatever recommend Lovecraft to you. I think huge. Huge. (laughs)
1: Well, definitely, and there are some, not not Salem's Lot, but the short story Jerusalem's Lot uh-huh. yeah. is, is definitely a mythos story. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. And and in his Dance Macabre, mm-hmm. he talks a lot about Lovecraft, which is his, his book on horror.
0: That is a really you know, good and book. And
1: it came out in like the late 70s, I think, mm-hmm. but it came out about the same time uh, Del Rey started mass doing mass English uh or mass printing uh, English trade paperbacks of Lovecraft. Mm-hmm, yeah. So I definitely think that he opened the he definitely opened the market in the seventies.
0: Yeah, yeah. And what's what's crazy is that Alien and Aliens isn't based off of a book or a pulp story or anything. It's based off of just a dumb thing that Dan O'Bannon just just a, a little dumb section in a goofy movie that Dan O'Bannon did in the 70s that later got expanded upon yeah. and then just keeps getting expanded upon and i think sooner or later in the next 20 years we're just going to somehow slowly go back to that beach ball <laughs> in an airlock <laughs> the,
1: the, the, the the giant talking the giant tomato monster yeah. and uh, yeah and, <laughs> and uh debating philosophy with a intelligent nuclear bomb
0: exactly exactly i i mean that's that's Just got to be how the the series ends. It's just kind of like a a Dark Star (laughs) reboot.
1: (laughs) And and the end will roll credits and play Benson, Arizona. (laughs) Yeah.
0: (laughs) And yeah, um, I have to say, um, Aliens probably would lend to a and d game maybe a little bit better than alien because alien i think is like good for if you are playing with just one person and you know i don't know or if you're playing i I, I guess uh aliens is or alien would be good if you're uh, playing a horror game with a bunch of people and
1: alien is basically a call cthulhu game yeah
0: yeah and, and everyone knows
1: aliens it's more of a D game yeah
0: yeah everyone's fighting together i mean well, you, you you're actively fighting against instead of like hiding researching and trying to figure out what the hell's going on versus like we kind of have an idea of what's going on we know where we're going and we have a plan of action and we think we have the firepower uh <laughs> to take care of stuff which is like anytime you go to a dungeon. I mean, Aliens is as much of a monomyth as much as it is a dungeon crawl for D&D. I mean, how yeah. how, how how much of this specific movie Aliens do you think has influenced goddamn every portion of nerd media i mean it's like i was just thinking about it the other day it's like video games alone like early nintendo games like metroid contra like very influenced by aliens uh last week i mentioned uh xenophobia or i think it's called xenophobia The old side scroller and the arcades and whatnot that had face huggers. I I remember, like, there being, like, uh, references in, like, Ninja Turtle cartoons to aliens. I mean, it's, it's, it, it feels like it's one of those things that's, like, seeped into culture so much that it becomes part of a culture for other stuff, or other aspects of culture refer to it, you know? And it's, it's, it's just one of those things it's so cool it's hard not to reference and it's also one of those things that's so kind of like it's its own thing and the aspects of it are so very much its own thing that it's it's its own aesthetic and it's 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 its own mythology and it's just got something great about it that it's like easy to explain but hard to explain at the same time. And it's.
1: Yeah. Um, and no, and definitely it may not have created a lot of the tropes, mm-hmm. but it definitely codified a lot of the tropes. Oh, yeah. Corporations are bad, you know, blue collar space, you know. Um, it may be not a, as famous, but, uh, you know, soon came out uh, the movie Outland mm-hmm. with Sean Connery. You know, it's the even, even look at um, the human technology. Yeah, in Avatar, besides yeah. being able to jump into these giant big blue bodies, the the human technology in Avatar looks very close to that.
0: Yeah, and, yeah. Well, I mean, it's it's also James Cameron, so
1: <laughs> yeah. But but this whole idea that that you know instead of having Star Trek and Star Wars technology, you can still have travel to other planets, but still have this sort of company business-run necessity equipment Yeah, that is somewhere between what we use mm-hmm. and, and, you know, Star Wars or Star Trek. Yeah, now, yeah. Include they have that light temple where the computer is where you have to go talk to the computer, so they don't get it all right.
0: Yeah, but I, I, I mean, uh, we're, we're talking about a period of time where uh, computers... We're fairly large. Like, computers that could actually do anything, you know, that's useful. <laughs> we're fairly large. And uh, what we we know of uh, as, like, Internet 1.0 DARPAnet. I mean, that, that was just, like, a handful of college computers hooked up together and some uh, laboratories connected. Um, I don't know. And I, I think... Going off of that like futurism based off of that kind of technology and that kind of like what's going on in the world. I love that mid to late seventies futurism. It's my favorite. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, no, yeah, I Yeah, no,
1: and, and, and I think and there of course it took off things like the Forbin Project mm-hmm. and a lot of others, but it's the one that solidified it in our in the pop culture,
0: yeah, yeah, and and Alien, uh, I mean, Aliens like Alien kind of like has that whole space trucker feel to it, but it also incorporates. I mean, definitely when they start incorporating the whole um, uh, mobile suit, the or uh, the the, the uh, articulated frame. I, I don't remember what it was called, the power loader suit.
1: Yeah, the power loader.
0: And 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 that that thing, I remember being like just obsessed with that as a kid being like that is the coolest thing ever I can't wait till like everyone's like using those to do their jobs my dad's like they don't have those and I'm like But why don't they make them? And he's like, well, they'd have to have, like, huge batteries or, like, cords or something. I mean, we don't have, like, small power sources to power huge metal things like that. (laughs) I was just, like, so disappointed. He's like, maybe they could be gas-powered and they'd just be like... (sighs) But anyway, but sorry to everyone's ears. Um, But yeah, no, it's there's so many cool things about Alien and aliens that I think just kind of have soaked into everything and i don't know uh but but that 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 aesthetic that that kind of like you you know how like star wars is like a a lived-in fantasy world and star wars or in star trek is is you know star wars is like a lived-in fantasy world star trek is very kind of like this like bright gleam future of like wood panel and naga hide you know it's 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 60s futurism then that was then later updated but uh, it's you know still kind of that 60s futurism but then like a a 90s uh, early 2000s coat of paint uh, applied once mm. in a while but alien aliens alien 3 i mean the alien franchise it's just that kind of like this, this is what a flying factory, this is what a flying refinery, this is what, you know, a colony planet, this is what you would probably actually really need. This is like real industrial, this isn't just plastic someone put on a wall. Let's use locations, let's use materials, let's use, you know, things that actually look like guns, not things that look like an Altoids tin or you know yeah. it's um it's uh, there's like a very kind of like heavy practical feel about everything in alien you don't go oh that just looks like cheap plastic it looks like they're carrying heavy ass equipment around and that those doors are heavy and that acid must be really a acid- uh, acidic if it's able to melt through all that like uh pig wire and just like things like that that just kind of give everything like you work on a farm I'm, you can probably look at Alien and Aliens and go, "Yeah, that looks like something that would be good for anything other than like a nine foot tall thing with two mouths that bleeds acid." <laughs>
1: it, 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 it's not, yeah, lava lamps and with Christmas lights decorating over it to make it look alien. It yeah. looks, it looks usable and practical.
0: Mm-hmm. And 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 the same goes for the alien stuff. It's. It's so gross and organic, and looks like just it. It looks like it could be an alien organism, like the face hugger, the eggs, the queen. Um, everything up until like Alien Three, where they use the um, they chroma key in a, a, a. I don't even know if they used green screen, but it's like chroma, key, a chroma keyed in puppet. And it's like, yeah. why does that look so weird? And it's like, oh, it's because it's a puppet. Uh, I don't know if we're gonna talk about Alien Three. I, I think we might just like talk about other parts of. I, maybe we'll talk about Alien versus Predator the comic book, but <laughs> but we should probably get wrapping it up on Aliens uh, plural. Uh, is, is I
1: think it, I think we've covered it about it as well as you and I are capable of doing it.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, the only thing else I wanted to say. I love the clothing, and that's part of the aesthetic. It's like everyone's dressed kind of, like, slightly futuristic. It's like it's not dumb and shiny like in Back to the Future. It's, you know, it doesn't seem as dumb and impractical or, like, referential as, like, Blade Runner did. Because, like, I know some people are like, Blade Runner, those outfits are cool. They are cool for a noir, but not working on a space station oil refinery colony planet and yeah. everyone seemed very practical the gear all seemed very practical again uh, oh man the people who did the design on that movie they they deserve all the awards and i hope they got all the awards but probably didn't because it was sci-fi horror. anyway dave anything else we want to say about aliens before i well, think, think of think we covered else? it pretty okay. thoroughly yeah um how do you think uh how do you think the goats would do against aliens
1: i do not think that goats would do very well the the goats the thing is that they would run Mm -hmm. they would run but but you know goats don't do very well against uh mountain lions so they probably wouldn't do very good against um against uh xenomorphs and you know they'd put their mouth right in the little eggs and try to eat them
0: (laughs) they'd start at the side they wouldn't stick their face in they'd start at the bottom (laughs) is my guess (laughs) because my Uh, guess would be like the goats would just like eat it from the bottom and no face huggers would come out and then you wouldn't have like goat aliens running around because i mean as as we learned in alien 3 uh the alien was dog shaped because it came out of a dog so who knows they may have horns or (laughs) yeah all right
1: and little alien beards oh yeah
0: (laughs) all right everyone thank you so much for listening to radio free oleander's penultimate episode uh come join us for the last episode we'll uh have some more people on and uh don't worry we'll still talk about oleander and all that kind of fun stuff but yeah all right dave anything else you want to say before we take off
1: Bye
0: Okay Remember Rate, review, subscribe Tell your friends Tell your ma Or ship you down to Arkansas Alright That's what I say Hey hey That's what I say Those aren't the words But close enough